Well, welcome to our session today, uh, migrating your data warehouses to Amazon Redshift. We're super excited. Uh, hopefully, you guys uh, learned quite a bit over the last couple of days. Uh, I know today is sort of the last day, so uh, th thank you for, for coming uh, this late in the conference. Um, I'm joined by my colleagues. Uh, I'll just, we'll just do a quick round of introductions. Uh, my name is Sandeep Bramarautu. Uh, I am a global business development manager as part of our database analytics uh, services organization, and I specifically work on our uh, database and data warehouse migration program. Uh, thanks, Sandeep. Um, hi, everyone. I'm Ramya Kaushik. I'm a database engineer on the AWS database migration service team. We own both the database migration service and the schema conversion tool that can help you migrate your databases to the AWS cloud. Yeah, hi, everybody. My name is Michael Sue. I'm a colleague of Ramya's on the, uh, the DMS and SCT um, uh, service team. And uh, I kind of specialize in data warehouse migration uh, use cases. Excellent. So uh, I'll kick out the presentation today, um, followed by Ramya and Michael. Um, we've got really exciting topics we want to cover with you. Um, we'll start off just to set, set some context, um, just around some industry trends, what we're seeing from customers as to why they're looking to migrate off of legacy data warehouses. Um, and then we'll dive into so the migration aspects of it. Right? Um, how are customers leveraging tools and techniques um, and best practices to migrate off of legacy data warehouses onto, onto Redshift. Um, that's where we'll spend bulk of our time today, um, including uh, going into a demo that Michael will walk us over where we'll do a, a migration of uh, Netiza to Amazon Redshift. Um, and then, uh, like as I mentioned, uh, we'll, we'll do the best practices. Um, we'll, we'll spend a fair amount of time for Q&A as well towards the end. Um, so uh, you know, please collect your questions and uh, we're happy to kind of go through uh, as they come along. Um, just a quick reminder, uh, please uh, remember to uh, do the evaluation at the end. We do take those very seriously. We want to make sure that we continue to improve on our presentations, making sure that you know, we've got the right level of content for you for future sessions. Um, so this is a slide that we were asked to put in here. Um, it's probably um, still relevant because there's you know, still half a day's worth of reInvent left. Um, there's a variety of different sessions uh, throughout this week. Um, some have already, already happened, uh, both hands-on as well as breakout sessions like these to really kind of get deeper onto our migration tools, uh, tools that are used in database and data warehouse migrations, like schema conversion tool, database migration service, and others. So I highly encourage you to, if you have the opportunity to still uh, attend some of these sessions, uh, you know, please do. So just some uh, very high-level context as to you know, what we're seeing in terms of why customers are migrating, right? Um, what sort of some of the drivers that sort of, you know, um, driving this, uh, this movement from modernizing from legacy data warehouses to Amazon Redshift. Um, if you look at the traditional data warehouse market, which has been around for the last 20, 30 years, right, uh, some of the, the common players you'll see in the space are uh, folks like uh, Teradata, uh, Netiza, Oracle, Vertica, and others. Um, and that's a fairly established market. A lot of enterprises today uh, have their analytical needs served through these legacy platforms, right, reporting, things like that. Um, what we're seeing is a, as my workloads are migrated over to the cloud, and customers are taking that opportunity to modernize their existing analytical um, and data pipelines. Um, they want to leverage the best of breed technologies that are available to them. Um, and as, as a result of that, we're seeing a strong adoption of, uh, of cloud native uh, data warehouses like Amazon Redshift. Um, and that's really very exciting time where People, customers are re-looking at their entire data pipelines and re-architecting them to really kind of get that best performance, scale, cost effect, uh, cost savings associated with, with, with cloud, which is what we'll, we'll touch on um, further today. Um, here's some uh, additional pain points uh, that we're seeing customers tell us in terms of what they're facing with their legacy data warehouses. Um, as it comes to scale, right, uh, these legacy data warehouses were, uh, were built with certain sort of size and, and volume in mind, um, as volumes increase, as organizations are becoming more data-driven, um, depending on analytics to drive their businesses, uh, some of these platforms are running into challenges from a scalability perspective. Um, we see that come up a lot around performance and scale, um, which is you know, also tied to a cost, right? As you add more capacity to these legacy platforms, they tend to be uh, cost prohibitive. Um, the variety of different analytical engines that have evolved over the last five or 10 years uh, has uh, as really uh, opened up a lot of opportunity for our customers to in innovate on top of that, right? Um, things like Hadoop, uh, you know, 
Hive, Impala, Spark, uh, Search, um, all, a lot of these uh, newer frameworks that have uh, come on board over the last five or 10 years is also uh, you know, highlighting the fact that these legacy data warehouses lack that flexibility in terms of running these modern frameworks and, and, and engines on top of their data and analyze it. Data formats is another big thing that we keep hearing from customers. You know, data is coming in a lot of different you know, shapes and, and forms. Uh, you know, having, not having that support limits the ability to, for customers to query that kind of data and, and be able to get uh, you know, insights from, uh, from, from you know, both structured and sort of unstructured type of data. And all of this is, uh, is leading to, um, again, with the data, implosion of data, right, uh, the governance aspect. Organizations want to empower analysts and users, and, and as more and more users come online, right, how do you put the right governance model in place to, uh, to be able to? So with cloud, uh, you know, we're seeing a you know, fair amount of uh, in the use cases that I'm sure some of these might, may resonate in this room, right? Across the board, um, lots of new use cases where data warehouses uh, are being leveraged. Um, you know, things like in the financial services, doing um, risk market analysis, you know, both in, based on existing data, but also looking at more of the real time aspect of it as well. Um, healthcare, you know, how do you improve uh, you know, patient experience based on clinical records and the data um, that, that pharmaceutical companies and healthcare companies are, are, are storing and, and processing and analyzing that data. Um, gaming, lots of locked data uh, to better improve uh, ad targeting, things like that. I mean, you can, the list kind of goes on, right? Uh, based on which industry it is, uh, this is very much sort of a horizontal play. Um, so very exciting stuff uh, you know, we're seeing across the board in terms of how uh, customers are leveraging um, Amazon Redshift for, for to serve these types of use cases. Um, so that's sort of where Amazon Redshift comes into play. Um, you, may, you may have heard Andy Jassy talk about some of the newer innovations that uh, you know, we are, we've, uh, we've announced this week uh, for, with, with Amazon Redshift. And, uh, and at a very high level, right, it's, uh, you know, we've, this service has been around a few years now, and it continues to be a very popular uh, service on our platform. Um, you know, we've got over 10,000 customers today that have deployed and are actively leveraging Amazon Redshift for a variety of different analytical use cases. Um, performance is a very, very key component. It's something that we take you know, very dearly, um, and that's something, you know, some of the innovation that we talked about earlier this week with Andy's keynote highlights that, right? Um, you know, we're, we're continuing to sort of make, ensure that uh, is part of a key tenant of our roadmap. Uh, you know, and, and today, if you just compare um, Amazon Redshift relative to some of the other uh, cloud uh, data warehouses, you know, we continue to uh, perform really well. Cost-effective nature of, uh, of uh, Amazon Redshift, both comparison to your legacy data warehouses on-prem, as well as other alternative data warehouses technologies uh, on the cloud. Um, Amazon continues to, to provide that in a variety of different options in terms of tiering, as well as as we add newer instance types, we're able to provide more performance for you um, with, with, the, with these resources. Um, another big thing that we see with, uh, with Amazon Redshift is uh, the ability to integrate with the rest of the other um, Amazon ecosystem, right? Uh, or even a third-party ecosystem. Um, the, the integration between the data lake technologies. A lot of customers use data warehouses in conjunction with data lakes, right? The ability to store lots of data and, and using that data to, uh, for different types of use cases. So having that tight integration with S3, with, uh, with Kinesis, with the QuickSight, with Glue, EMR, and all these different properties and services that we have is extremely critical because our customers are leveraging all these different services, having a platform that is well integrated is a key component of, of how, a key benefit that our customers leverage uh, with, with Amazon Redshift. Um, and we want to help our customers minimize their risk, right? Um, with data warehouses, these platforms have been around for a long time. There are a lot of existing processes our customers have in terms of reporting and things like the workflows. And we realize as you're migrating your legacy workloads to the cloud, there is some risk involved, and, uh, and there's a variety of different options that we have our, for our customers to be able to um, reduce that risk, right? In terms of migrate, moving that data, migrating the schema, the data, uh, and, you know, and make it as, as efficiently as possible. Um, you know, we'll touch on some of these things uh, in our presentation today, uh, but very quickly, right? Um, as we kind of run from left to right here, uh, Amazon or AWS Direct Connect, which is a service some of our enterprise customers use for that high performance connectivity between on-prem data centers and uh, uh, AWS to help move that data faster. Um, Snowball, 
for a lot of, uh, you know, we see this happen with some of the large data warehouses uh, where there's lots of data for a variety of different latency issues from a network perspective. They may actually want to ship that data on a, on a snowball, which is essentially kind of a device that looks you know, about the size of a, of a suitcase, right? Um, you know, upload that data, ship it over to Amazon, and we're able to then upload that into, uh, you know, in, uh, into S3 and from, from take it from there, right? Um, uh, you have lots of options. Um, AWS Database Migration Service, which is the one we'll, uh, we'll talk about more deeply today, uh, which is a very, very common way of how customers are migrating um, their data warehouses to AWS. Um, within Database Migration Service, there's a specific tool called the Schema Conversion Tool that Ramya talked about, which, uh, which is a very, very common pattern of how data is being migrated. Uh, so we'll dive into that uh, in more detail. Uh, in addition to our own tooling, a lot of our customers have existing uh, tools um, that they want to also leverage, right? Uh, other ETL workflows and things like that. So uh, we, we're investing pretty heavily. We have a lots of good, great uh, integrations and partnerships with a lot of uh, tool vendors to help uh, if customers do have a strong desire to use um, you know, some of those tools, right? You know, we do have support for those as well. Uh, for real time, lots of uh, exciting you know, use cases are happening on the IoT side and you know, customers leveraging things like uh, uh, Kinesis and, and other frameworks, right? Um, so Kinesis is another great way we see a lot of our customers for that real time IoT kind of streaming data coming in and having the ability to sort of query that data very quickly as it lands on, uh, onto the Redshift platform. Um, S3, faster way of, of getting the data tr uh, transferred into S3 is another big way, common way. Um, and, and there are other options there as well. Right. So um, the, the, the purpose of this slide is you, know, you don't have to use every single one of these. Um, there's one that might be more applicable to you. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on the AWS uh, database migration service and the schema conversion tool today at depth, including the demo, right, which is a very, uh, as I mentioned, is a very common way of how our customers are migrating legacy data warehouse data uh, onto uh, AWS. So, um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about schema conversion tool and how you can use uh, schema conversion tool to actually migrate your data from your um, on-prem data warehouse to Amazon Redshift. But before I do that, I quickly wanted to differentiate what database migration services and what schema conversion tool is. We, these are two separate tools that our team owns, and both are used for uh, helping you to migrate, um, modernize, migrate, and replicate your databases. So by modernize, what, what I mean here is, uh, you must have heard this term a lot uh, throughout, the, uh, re throughout reInvent. It's basically moving your um, on-prem databases to, uh, to another database engine, which is probably more compatible for your application or which may work better with your application, or just changing your database engine. So just modernizing it. So schema conversion tool can help you modernize uh, your databases by looking at your database schema, database code, uh, your application code that has embedded SQL in it, and converting all of those into a format that's compatible with uh, your target um, database engine. And by migrate, uh, migrate and replicate kind of go hand in hand. What, what I mean by that is, actually migrating your data. So schema conversion tool is used for converting your schemas. That's the first step. And then the second step is to actually do the mi data migration and move over all of your data from your data warehouses or your OLTP databases to AWS Cloud. Uh, Replicate is basically leveraging the power of CDC and keeping both the source and target in sync uh, until the point where the latency is so low and your application is ready, and then you can do a cutover to the target database engine. Uh, so the difference between DMS and SET is basically SET is used for converting your schema and DMS is for migration. There's one exception though, and that's, that's, the, that's what we're going to talk about in today's session. It's, you can use SET to migrate data uh, off of your data warehouses, on-prem data warehouses into Amazon Redshift by using uh, another uh, tool uh, called SET Extractors. So, that's the only place where SET actually migrates your data. Otherwise, it's for any of the OLTP databases, it's used for converting your schemas and application code into your target compatible format. So um, one, another thing that I would like to 
just put it out there as you can use DMS to do the same thing. If your data warehouse is Oracle or SQL Server, you can use AWS DMS to migrate and keep your databases in sync with uh, Amazon Redshift or a target database engine. Uh, but if, you're, you, if you have databases that are Vertica, Netiza, Greenplum, or Teradata, then you'd have to use SET extractors to move your data, uh, move your data completely into Amazon Redshift. And before I go ahead, uh, has anyone used SET or DMS at all? Quite a, quite a few people, okay. So, you, or, so that means you've attempted database migration, so you kind of know what you're, I mean, what you're supposed to do before you actually do the data migration, right? You need to first figure out, you need to assess your application, your database, it could be a legacy database that has not changed for 20 years, and you might have to figure out which database engine should I actually move to? Should I move to Postgres, MySQL, or do I want to go to DynamoDB, just go to NoSQL, I don't really need RDBMS. Uh, so SET can help you with that. So if you don't know which engine you want to go to, you can uh, just connect to your source engine. It's, it's as simple as connecting from your uh, SQL workbench. Just connect to it, run the uh, conversion report, and it'll give you an assessment report, and uh, gives you the percentages of uh, conversion. So with Postgres, it can probably say 95% of your uh, database objects were automatically converted. With MySQL, it could give a different number. So based on these numbers and uh, the, the effort that you have to put in, you could uh, figure out which database engine works best for you. So looking at that assessment, you could plan your migration. You can figure out what kind of skill sets you want, what kind of, uh, how many hours or how many, how many people you need to do the actual conversion. And, uh, it also helps you convert both the schema, database schema, uh, including all the database objects, as well as uh, the code embedded in your application, uh, sorry, the database code uh, or SQL statements embedded in your application code. Uh, it also helps you optimize, uh, and by, because you're going from on-prem, which has probably a lot of licensing costs, uh, you could save some money by moving to AWS Cloud. And uh, migrating to data warehouses, that's uh, another aspect of schema conversion tool. Using extractors in conjunction with uh, SET can help you quickly and parallelly uh, migrate all of your data from your on-prem databases to Amazon Redshift. So these are the main features of schema conversion tool. It uh, generates an assessment report for both homogeneous and heterogeneous migrations. You, you may be wondering why you would use it for a homogeneous migration, because you could just do maybe a native data pump or depending on your, um, uh, on your database engine. But uh, the one cool feature about the homogeneous report is it creates a server-level assessment report, which looks at all your server-level objects. So it looks at your table spaces, users, your licensing, what kind of features you're using on your, on your source database, and compares them with RDS. So this is available for both um, uh, Oracle and SQL Server. So if you're using any features um, in your enterprise edition of Oracle, which are probably not present in RDS, uh, Oracle or the version that you're using, then that would highlight in the server level assessment report. And like I've already said, you can convert your database schema, data warehouse schema, all the code. Uh, and you can also, if you, if you want to use SSL, SET is compatible with SSL, you could use SSL to connect to your sources uh, and targets. One, uh, one other thing is using uh, the optimizing the schemas in Amazon Redshift. So if, you've, if you're already in Amazon Redshift, but you've used it for a while, and maybe you find that the performance is not uh, as good as it used to be before, you could run it again through schema conversion tool. It uh, analyzes your tables, collects stats, and figures out, figures out what the best uh, distribution key and sort key at this time for your table is. So you could either go ahead and apply that or uh, decide what is best for your application. But uh, So schema conversion tool can be used for that as well. So this, um, this is the main uh, tool that, is, that moves all of your data uh, from your source database to your target. It basically um, works in, uh, you have to create a task and it does three things. It extracts, uploads, and copies the data over to Amazon Redshift. Uh, it's, uh, the, the, the extractors the basically are downloaded when you download SET. Uh, there is a, a folder which is called extractors. All you have to do is copy that over to another host, um, which is in the same uh, database, uh, same network as your database engine. 
so that you have load latency with networks. And you have to run a, uh, run a shell script that would just install the extractors, then you configure it, and the next step is to register it with a schema conversion tool. Once you do that, you create a task which would, which would uh, start extracting all of the data from your data warehouse using these local migration agents. All the data is then optimized for uh, Amazon Redshift, it's saved into local files, and then it's pushed to uh, uh, S3 bucket or Snowball if, you're, if you choose to use a Snowball, um, and then it's copied over to Amazon Redshift. So uh, the way uh, extractors are kind of optimized for full load, uh, it is multi-threaded, fault-tolerant process. So every table has a single thread. And if your tables are partitioned, that's even better because every partition has a, a thread working on it. So the more number of uh, 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 tables that are partitioned, it's faster to move it. And you can also use ex multiple extractors to extract data. And then, so it's a highly parallelized uh, solution which would grab all of your data from the source and then put it into Amazon Redshift. And just in case, because of whatever reason, if it fails at some point, you don't have to restart from the beginning. It starts from the point in time of failure, and then you can uh, continue from there. So this, uh, this is how the assessment report looks like. Once you connect, you can either just go ahead, and if you com have complete confidence in the tool, uh, you could just go ahead and apply all of the conversions to your target database, which most people won't do. Or you could download the report, which would look like this. And it gives you an idea of how many objects have been automatically converted, how many require a little bit of work. And if you see reds, it means it does require a lot of manual work. And on the right-hand side, you can see the details of each, um, each of the uh, issues that it has highlighted. So what why couldn't SCT convert it, uh, what you could do to manually convert it, and it also gives you links to the documentation for maybe workarounds or uh, more details about the features. For, for example, in this case, you see that the orange is, orange is for sequences, and it says it could not convert 100% of them. It's because there's no support for that in Amazon Redshift. So then you would see a link in detail saying there's no sequences, so maybe this could be a workaround. Uh, another, the, the migration playbooks, they actually go hand in hand with, with uh, these reports. Uh, they, we have migration playbooks for Oracle, um, Amazon Aurora, Postgres, and MySQL, and SQL Server. So what those do is they compare all the features on your uh, source side, like Oracle and SQL Server, and compare it with everything on your target, like Amazon Aurora. And if there's no equivalent, uh, th these books were written based on our experience with customers. So it talks about any workarounds that could be done. Uh, it talks about uh, if there's no exact feature, how else could you fix it? Uh, a quick example would be uh, send email, which a lot of customers use uh, in their SQL Server databases uh, to automatically send emails from the database, which is not available in uh, Aurora Postgres. So SET has this functionality built in where if you could uh, uh, if you enter your, um, if you create a, a profile, AWS profile with your access key and secret key, and let it create Lambda functions, it could emulate that function. It would create a Lambda function that would send an email from your Amazon uh, Aurora Postgres database. So things like that, which may not be uh, necessarily um, something that you would know uh, just by reading the documentation, those things are highlighted in the playbook, and they also show up in the assessment report. So when you download, it's a client-side a client -side tool, so uh, all you have to do is download it to your desktop. Once you download it and create a new project and connect to your source and target in this case, you will be able to see all your schemas on the left-hand side um, and your target schemas on the right-hand side. Uh, you can select as many schemas as you want um, and do the conversion. The, uh, the only thing I would keep in mind if I'm doing uh, converting a lot of uh, schemas is to have a lot of memory. So if you have hundreds of schemas, I would definitely recommend uh, downloading SCT on an EC2 machine, which has a lot of memory and not your laptop or your desktop. Uh, once you've converted and you've uh, pushed everything to the, uh, on the right-hand side, you could either apply it to the target or you could save it in a SQL file. And in case you didn't like something, some conversion, and you thought that something else would work better for you, like data types, or if you wanted to change the name of some functions, you could just change it in your script and then um, run it on your uh, target database. 
or if you have multiple databases, uh, if, you're, if you're going, uh, fanning, fanning out, you could use the same script in all the databases and don't have to do the conversion multiple times. Uh, one more cool thing about SCT is the changes kind of, uh, we have a build out every month. So almost every uh, month we, we look at all the customer feedback that we get. We are really trying very hard to uh, uh, improve the conversion rate. We want to reach 100%, uh, we are not there yet. But based on customer feedback, every month we release a build with all the fixes that go in. So if there's something that doesn't work for you today, it could work for you in the next build. And it'll be great if you can send us feedback because that's how we can improve the conversion rates. We work with the development team and push it out every month. Um, so before I go here, one example of, um, of the customer feedback is when we were doing the extractors, so by default, we just do, we grab all the data by doing a select star. But with the NetEase and Teradata, that was not working as well as other sources. So we decided to use fast export and external tables for those sources to optimize and improve the performance of uh, the extracts uh, and basically speed up and improve the performance of the extract load and copy process. This is the Redshift table design that I was talking about before. You could use, uh, if, you're, if you're already on Redshift or if you're not too, you could use the screen to basically, again, uh, reanalyze your database. Uh, either use the metadata or use the stats and figure out what's the best distribution key and sort key for your tables are. Um, so schema conversion tool also converts business logic. Uh, it looks at packages, stored procedures, functions, and application programs. For application programs, uh, um, on the top you can see there's a button called applications. You'll have to go there uh, and then click on new application. Go to the folder which has all of your code. Right now there's no, um, you cannot give a GitHub link uh, which would just look at all your code, but it has to probably, you might have to like maybe check out the package on your desktop and then just give the folder uh, link and that will look at all the packages in your code and figure out what uh, SQL needs to be converted to your target database. We also have something called extension packs. Since all, since there's no equivalent, I mean, every function may not have an equivalent function in the target database. So. We've created a bunch of functions which would kind of emulate this thing, uh, the, emulate the, those functions in the source database with the Amazon Redshift and increase your conversion rate. So this, uh, the extension packs basically, the first time you do a conversion, it creates a, a schema on your target, um, target database. It's called AWS underscore EXT underscore the database that you're converting from. And it has all the functions there. You could, instead of calling, the schema, you could embed all those functions into your code itself if you want to do the conversion and reduce the latency. But uh, these get overwritten every time you download a new build. So if you're doing something in your own environment, uh, it's possible it get overwritten. So you may have to just keep it keep in mind when you're making changes. So migrating to Redshift, this, uh, this is what we spoke about. This, this picture might help you visualize uh, what I was talking about before. It's like once you download your uh, extraction agents, set it up on a different machine, and then uh, register it with SCT, <coughs> all the data is then, uh, is then extracted to the S3 bucket. Once it's in the S3 bucket, it triggers, um, it triggers compression, and once all the compression rules are in place, uh, the data is saved into uh, local files, uh, pushed to S3, and then copied over to Redshift. So copy function is the, is the fastest and most efficient way to copy to Redshift. So that, that's the reason we, we use that here. So this is kind of a similar picture, but uh, it's a little bit more detail of what, uh, how it differentiates from your on-prem side to your, uh, and your AWS cloud. Uh, if you, has anyone used Snowball at all? Okay. So it's, it's a data transfer device. It's basically a, like a huge device which has a bunch of hard disks where you could store a lot of data. It's, uh, it's 100 terabytes in size. So if you have really huge databases and maybe poor network, you could consider using Snowball instead of just uh, migrating everything on the network using an S3 bucket. So if you do uh, in, use a Snowball, you have to 
you have to place an order for it, it will be shipped to you in a day or two. Uh, configure it, plug it into your network, and instead of the S3 bucket, you would have a snowball edge there. The extractors would, uh, would then uh, extract all of your data from the source database and put it in the S uh, snowball edge instead of the S3 bucket. So the snowball edge is also configured and partitioned as S3 bucket, so it's, it kind of looks the same to you when you are create, doing the entire process, when you look at the SET console, but it's going to the snowball edge, and once all the data is copied, you have to ship it back to the AWS data center. Once that's done, that will be copied over to uh, Amazon Redshift. This is the summary of uh, everything that I've been talking about. So if you start your conversion and data migration project, you have to first analyze it, then plan, then maybe develop your BI tools to write to both the targets, or if, if you could just stop it until the full load is done and then switch over to your target database and start writing to Redshift. Um, uh, once you're completely off of it, then you can power off your uh, current system. So next we'll see a demo that Mike is going to show about, uh, about how to use these extractors to extract all of the data from, uh, from Netiza and then move it to Amazon Redshift. Yeah, so now that um, Rami has walked you through like all the pieces that go into a data warehouse migration, we'll just show you a demo of using SCT and the extractors to actually perform that process. Um, and um, so I'm gonna, these are things that you should, should watch for in the demo. Um, we're going to go through a, a number of different steps. Uh, the first is we're gonna set up SET um, to perform the, the migration. Then we'll take a table from Natiza, uh, convert it into Redshift and apply it on the Redshift database. Um, then we'll set up the SCT extractor so that it will uh, do the data migration. Um, and then we'll, um, we'll, we'll use parallel processing, um, like Rami was describing, to migrate the table. And then we'll migrate the table, and, and you can see how you can use the tool to, um, uh, to, to monitor the, uh, the, the, the migration process as it's running. I'm, I'm going to skip a couple of things. I'm not going to show you um, how, to how to install the tools, um, uh, where you get the downloads, and all that kind of stuff from. Um, but there's a little bit of planning that goes on before this. So let's start by looking at our source database. This is um, a Natiza client, and I'm just going to go ahead and query uh, one of the tables. It's a test four table. That's the one we're going to migrate. It has about 33 uh, million rows in it. So remember that number. So now we're going to set up SCT. Um, and the process is really just creating what we call a project, and that project names your source and your target. You're saying you're doing a data warehouse migration, and we're going from Natiza to Amazon Redshift. So now that our, our project is now set up, we're gonna connect to the source, and that's really just uh, telling uh, the tool where the, the Natiza database is and login credentials. And then we'll do the same thing on the target. So, uh, server, uh, port, logging credentials for Redshift, and, and now SET is connecting itself to the Redshift database. So now that we have a source and a target um, connected to, the, to SCT, um, you, you, you can see the, the, on the left-hand side of the screen, um, SCT is um, populating a source tree. So we'll just go ahead and navigate through that source tree till we find the table that we're gonna um, migrate. And it's called uh, test four, and there it is. And now we're gonna convert it. So um, when you click on the, uh, the table, you can see the um, DDL that's um, um, retrieved from the source. And we're just gonna go ahead and right click on that table, and it will then um, convert the, the uh, create table statement into an equivalent Redshift create table statement. And now we're just gonna go ahead and, 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 and apply that table onto the Redshift database. So it's actually creating the table onto the Redshift cluster now. And there it is. So now the next step is we have an extractor, we have SCT, we're gonna set up the communication channel between them. 
And this process is called registering the extractor. So I'm going to click this button that says register, and it's simply telling SCT, here's a server, here's a port that the, that the extractor is listening on. Um, you give it a name. I gave it a generic name. This happens to be running on localhost and, and a, a port. And if you wanted to, you could use SSL to encrypt the, the communication between the extractor and the and SCT. So now, now, the, now SCT has um, registered the extractor. So now we're going to set up to use parallel processing. And this is called virtual partitions. So here's our table, test four. We're going to um, create, basically take the table and divide it into chunks that will be, that will be migrated in parallel. So I'm a little lazy. You could type in the values that you want to use to divide the, the ranges. I've already done that, saved them into a file on disk, and I'm just going to import that file into the tool. And now there's, there's the, uh, the file, just basically a CSV file, and now you can check the, um, the ranges of the values that are created. So there's 33 um, different chunks here, all about 1 million rows apiece. Okay, so now let's go ahead and migrate the data. And this process is just creating what we call a migration task that includes the table as part of its scope. So we give the task a name. We say we're going to upload, extract, upload, and copy, which means all the way up to Amazon Redshift. We create the task, and then we'll start it. And you can see there's three phases here, like Romeo was describing. That extract phase, the upload to S3, and then the copy into Redshift. So now this is the really exciting part where we get to see yellow bars get bigger and bigger. Um, you can see at the bottom, there's a, a, a number of, we call them subtasks that are created, each for one of the partitions or ranges or chunks that we created in, in that virtual partitioning process. So now the, the extract is um, progressing, the upload to S3 is progressing, and you can see that as an extract finishes, that upload process takes off, right? So it's keeping all of your possible um, threads as busy as possible, as long as you have uh, remaining work to complete. And again, you know, as, as Romney was saying, behind the scenes, this is an Natiza source. Um, the extractor is using the native Natiza export mechanism, which is ex Natiza external tables. Um, to pull the data out from the Natiza database. So now um, the extract and the upload process is done. We're just waiting for the copies to complete into the Redshift database. Um, and, um, and you can tell, again, you, you can see the subtasks as they complete. Um, so this is basically the console for SCT um, that you can use to monitor your migrations. We also have very detailed um, logging that's created for both the uh, Redshift, uh, that's created for both the SCT and the extractors that you can use to monitor and troubleshoot with. So in a few minutes later, it's all done. And if we look at the Redshift side of the, um, uh, the, the Redshift target, we'll go ahead and query the test four table that, that was created over there. And we should see 33 and a half million rows, just like we had on the source. So all the data is, was migrated successfully. Okay. So that, that, in a nutshell, is what this whole migration process looks like using SCT and the uh, SCT extractors. So you know, just to recap what we just saw, um, we did a, a migration of a table from Natiza to Redshift, including changing or or converting uh, the table schema into a Redshift table. Um, we set up parallel processing uh, to migrate the table in parallel, and we did it in 33 chunks using virtual partitioning. And we'll talk more about that in, in, in a little bit. Um, and then we looked at how the console, how you can use the console to um, monitor your migration. So 
what I'd like to do for just a few minutes is talk to you about some best practices that you can apply um, in your, as you start your data warehouse uh, migration journey. Um, these best practices are uh, applicable to Natiza migrations like we just saw, but really to all of the data warehouse sources that, that Ramya um, described to you earlier. So, you know, first and foremost, um, per performance tuning, right? SCT and the extractors um, give you a number of ways to tune your performance. Um, you know, your, 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 your existing data warehouses, they have a lot of data in them, right? Terabytes of data, maybe petabytes of data with years of history, many different subject areas. Um, you can, you know, and, and typically your, your data warehouses are gonna be tuned for extracting large amounts of data or analyzing large amounts of data. So you can leverage uh, that with, with, the, with the extractors um, by dialing up or dialing down the fetch sizes that the extractors use. Um, another thing that the extractors do that's really very helpful is prior to uploading to S3 or sending it to any of the, either S3 or, or AWS Snowball, they compress the data files, right? Um, and obviously the, the benefit there is a, is a performance gain, but also it benefits you as a customer because it reduces your ingest, ingestion cost into um, AWS. Um, <clears throat> the other thing that um, um, you can do with with the extractors is adjust the file size that you're sending to the downstream systems. So Amazon S3, AWS Snowball, uh, Amazon Redshift, all of those services are tuned to um, better perform with large file sizes. Right? So you can increase that file size that the, that the extractors are producing um, before they send them downstream. Again, depending on your resources, what your network bandwidth is, and so on and so forth. And then the last thing is, and we kind of talked about that. Um, actually, I didn't talk about it, and I apologize. Um, the, for each of the extractors has uh, a number of threads that it opens against the source database. Um, by default, that number is 10. Um, you can dial that number up or dial that number down. Um, again, depending on your particular um, resources, how much resource you can, you can devote to your, uh, your migration process. So just a couple of words about virtual partitioning. Again, we saw that in the demo about how to make these chunks that we can migrate in parallel. Um, there's just a couple of takeaways I want you to, 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 to know about virtual partitioning. This is a really great feature and helps a lot of our customers. Um, you want to apply it to tables in your database that are not natively partitioned. Right? Um, the, there is a tendency um, when we first talk about it with customers to say, well, you know, I should just really partition the heck out of this table. And the guidance is usually resist that urge because as you, as you can see from this graph, you can find a really good partitioning without a lot of effort um, and at fairly low granularities. And in fact, if you sort of over-partition, you're gonna pay a bit of a penalty um, because of the, the maintenance of, of ma maintaining those extra partitions. Um, on the other hand, if you have tables which are natively partitioned in your database, so for example, if you have a, a fact table that contains customer orders, say, uh, you know, those kinds of tables are typically partitioned by date, maybe range partitioned over time. Um, you can use SCT to migrate those tables in parallel as well. Um, there's a, it's basically a checkbox called the union all view. You check that box, and then when you start your migration task, SCT realizes from the table metadata that the table is partitioned and it will, um, migrate those partitions on a, uh, migrate that table on a partition basis. Um, we talked a little bit just a few minutes ago about sort of scaling up or scaling down 
the parallelism for a single extractor, well, you can also scale out extractors. So you can have many extractor hosts running many extractor instances um, and really run your migration massively parallel. Um, we have many customers who have, who have done exactly that. Um, you can have, there, there's a, a really a wide variety of configurations that you can do here, depending on the resources that, again, you have available for your extractor hosts, as well as how much load you can place on your source system um, to support the, the migration process. So then at the, you know, let's say we get to the, you're in the, the end of your migration journey, your Redshift database is up and running, ETL is running against it, your users are, are um, uh, uh, analyzing data being served by the Redshift database. Is there anything else that SCT can do for you at this point? And the answer is actually yes. You can use SCT to analyze the workload that's running on your Amazon Redshift database. And based on that workload, it will suggest whether there's a better table design for some of your tables. Right? So in other words, if there's a distribution key or a sort key that better matches the workload you're, you're actually running against your database so that you could go and reorganize your, your table layouts to be more performant. And, and the tool will actually uh, rebuild your tables on the fly if you choose to do that, or you can export a script um, and run that um, rebuild at a later time. So those are just some best practices we wanted to share with you. Um, there are, you know, as you begin your migration journey, um, there's lots of great information on the AWS public website that you can use. Um, all of our technical documentation is there. You can go and just view it. Um, the AWS SET tool and the extractors, like Bramia was saying, is a no-cost download. You can just go to the AWS website, download the tools, install them locally, and, and start, um, start to see how they work. We also have some very active uh, support forums where you can ask questions, participate in conversations with other customers, and um, you know, we, uh, the, the service team, uh, we, we, we participate as well, so it's a great place to get information. Um, so we'll open up the, the floor to questions. I just wanna say that um, there's also uh, uh, some training and certification, again, sort of free courses that you can take to learn more about our database offerings here at AWS. Just a minute, sir. Um, and, um, and also, um, certif you know, database certification. So thank you. Again, we'll take questions in a second. I just want to, again, remind you, could you please, uh, we really would appreciate it if you would um, take the time to give us feedback on, on this session um, to make sure that we want to deliver the content that helps you in your, um, your, your, your migration journeys. Um, and, and improve if, 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 if we can do that. So. Yes, sir. ETL vendors? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> we work with a variety of different ETL vendors, um, you know, Informatica and other ETL providers that, that do support Redshift as a as a target, right, especially if you're migrating. Um, I think maybe if you can talk a little bit about the SCT and how we support BTEC and some of the other capabilities, that might be helpful. Yeah, SCT can help you uh, convert all of the ETL jobs into AWS Glue. So, yeah, that's uh, something that could help with your journey. Yeah, and there's, there's a very, right, there's, there's some, depending on your, 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 your use case, right, which, um, which legacy platform you're moving off of, there's a variety of different um, support that we can provide via, via SCT for that. That was that was purely SCT, SCT, and the SCT extractors. So. 
so the, the, the question is, what's... Right. Yeah, so the, the question is, what is the difference between SCT and, and sorry, what is the question, difference between DMS and the SCT extractors? Um, it's really an architectural decision that we've made, right? So for data, and the way, the way I like to explain it to customers is DMS is a managed service, right? It runs within AWS. The extractors are an application that you install um, locally near your data warehouse because you're gonna be pulling massive amounts of data out of your data warehouse as part of this migration process. So having that logic close to your warehouse um, is a, a more performant architecture. Um, you know, and then, again, we talked about sort of the, uh, the compression of the files and all that stuff, right? Um, so it, rather than shipping, if let's say you have a 100 terabyte data warehouse that you're migrating, you pull 100 terabytes out locally, right, with the extractors, compress that into something smaller before you send it up to, to AWS. And, that, and that's, that's really the reason why. Yeah. Yeah, um, the extractors do not, they do only full load, they don't do the CDC stuff. But if you were using a Snowball, there's another agent called DMS agent, that would do both full load and CDC. But with these sources and targets with extractors, it's, it's just full load, straight one time. So for, the, for the, the stuff that we demoed, so SCT supports many targets, right, besides Redshift. In terms of like data migration, right, which is, you know, migrating a data warehouse, the SCT extractors uh, support Redshift as a target only. Okay. Now the, Yeah, I mean, our, you know, honestly, like, our roadmap is 90% driven by customer requests and customer feedback. So if there are, you know, other sources that you're interested in, in migrating from, um, contact your, 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 you know, your systems architect, your TAM, um, let them know, um, and, you know, that's how we, we really drive our, our, our pipeline. No, they're two completely separate things yeah, as of today, yeah. Uh, regarding the source, do you support any version of Oracle? Yeah, yeah we, we support 12 different sources and 14 different targets, and the versions are different for all these sources and targets, and it's there in our documentation. For Oracle, I think we support um, anything greater than 9i like from, from 10G. So the SCT, the question is, what's the difference between SCT extractor and Redshift advisor? So Redshift, uh, SCT extractor uh, does not do the, the Redshift uh, sort key and distribution key analysis. It's the SCT itself which does it. Redshift advisor is probably more detailed. It is made for Redshift. But this is just an add-on if you kind of uh, see that the, there's some performance issue. And if you wanted to analyze, this can also help with that. They're two separate tools, but if you wish to use Redshift Advisor and it's giving you the inputs that you require, you don't need to use SCT. Yes, what do you see people do when they want to scale out their Yeah, I mean, there's a number number of tuning considerations there, and it's hard to say without um, having some 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 more detailed information about your particular use case. Um, but if you think about the way that the extractors work, right, they try to use memory as much as possible. 
um, the writing and reading and compressing and then sending files up to, to, to the downstream process, right? So disk, is, disk and disk speed is very important because it's writing massive amounts of data to your disk, reading it back, compressing it. Um, you know, and then you also, but you also have that flexibility of if you have a lot of resource for that extractor host, you can throw one, two, three until you consume what, what's there, right? Um, so those are sort of, sort of some of the considerations. You know, we can help you um, if, 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 you, if, if you work with your, 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 your local accounting, um, you know, we can help you tune, um, you know, your particular environment um, if you reach out to us. Um, maybe you're, you're the best Yeah, person. again, uh, it, it varies dramatically, right? A lot of times, you know, the, the licensing on the source data warehousing, it, it really does vary depending on the vendor uh, pretty dramatically. So uh, I don't have like a, like a specific answer. What I will tell you is that most customers uh, see a fair amount of cost savings, right? Uh, migrating off of a legacy data warehouse to, to Redshift. Um, if you want the specific numbers, I could probably, uh, with examples, I can, I can follow up with you. Uh, just, just, I was wondering, just average or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I, sorry, I don't have that top of my head right now, but I can follow up with you on it. There are a few customer use cases that are on the DMS resource page uh, where some of them talk yeah. about cost savings, because not all customers are um, public with how much they save. Uh, the information is not. Uh, we are not supposed to give it out, but there are a few testimonials on the website. Maybe that could answer yeah. your question. Yeah. Fair question. Yes. So when you do the snowball load, how do you handle the change data capture and the final sync up of your data warehouse? Yeah, so the example you saw was, we call it full load, right? just basically taking a copy of your source and putting it into Redshift, right? Either via the Snowball or via S3. Um, what most customers do um, is sort of, was sort of represented by that migration timeline slide that Ramya showed, which you know, involves migrating some data, taking the ETL that you're, you're executing to, you know, on your source to keep that source up to date, bifurcating it, so it, so it also runs against Redshift, right? So, you know, customers, and it, 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 it's hard to say because customers, um, I've seen it done both ways. Some do a, hey, I'm gonna do a big bang, I'm gonna take my entire database, throw it over on Redshift, in one fell swoop, move all my ETL over, right? Start replaying the ETL that might have fallen behind. Um, some customers do it, by subject area, maybe you do orders first and then inventory and then, so there's a really a wide variety of things, but that's that's typically the, the, the migration pattern that we see. So to add to Mike's answer, um, we have not covered the DMS agent in this session, the one that does full load and CDC, because that would probably require another session of its own. That uses this completely different uh, agent called DMS agent, which creates both a local task as well as a remote task. The remote task actually uses DMS to do the CDC, captures all the changes on the source, while the local task is doing the extraction and pushing it to S3. So that, that's as simple as I can get about it. I love such questions because I don't have an answer. Okay. Can you repeat the question uh, one more time? The question is, if you have a uh, 100 terabyte data, database, how long does it take to migrate um, using extractors? Yeah, yeah that's, the, I mean, it's a really hard question to ask because there's, there's so many variables that go into that um, that are, that are going to be unique to your, you know, your, your database, your environment, your network, your, um, but, 
you know, if, 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 you wanna, if, if you're starting a migration journey, I would suggest reach out to your, your, your local account team. Um, they can get us involved, and then we can help you with those questions and do, do, do that estimation with you. Um, so, it, so the question is, what's the shortest time? Um, there's actually a really great, uh, great blog on the AWS blogs um, where a customer um, moved, oh, what was it, 30 terabytes? No, it was more than that. They had, but they had a very compressed time frame to do it. Um, and they went, they had to use just massive amounts of parallelization. So they had like 24 extractors, I think, that they were using in order to fit their migration into a, like a 30 hour window. Um, so those things are possible, right? Um, is they take a lot of planning. They take a lot of experimentation to make sure that you're getting the throughput you think you're getting. Uh, or if you're bottlenecking, where that, where that bottleneck might be and how you alleviate it. Um, but it's, it, it's all possible. Can you repeat the question, sorry? So with MySQL? So that's what ICT will do for you. So it will look at all that code and try to find an equivalent uh, function in Redshift. And if it can't, it might look at the extension packs and see if we have some uh, way of emulating that function. And it converts that code for you. So if, it, if it's not able to do it, then in the issues, uh, it actually writes the details of why it couldn't do it and what you could do to work around it. Uh, and do you want to go, uh, what's your source and target? Uh, source is, I mean, like, uh, let's say, say my best, because I don't want to stop the ingestion from, to the old source. So, okay. yeah, because, uh, you know, downstream upstream may not be ready. So if your sources are Teradata, Vertica, Greenplum, and Netiza, then SET Extractors only supports full load. But if you have any other sources, uh, you can use DMS to do full load and CDC it will do the continuous replication. If you're using Oracle or SQL Server as your source, it can do both CDC and pull load. And there's a bunch of other sources too that DMS supports. Or if you're using Snowball, there's another agent called DMS agent that you could use to do the full load and CDC. But for these four data warehouses, usually data warehouses are really huge and you have jobs that you could run on your targets once the full load is done. So we've seen that customers just do the full load and move their jobs to re and rerun them on the target to catch up with what, what was happening on the source. So if it's anything other than these sources, DMS will help you with keeping both of them in sync. Uh, yes, with Oracle, there's a bunch of different methods that we use. Logminer is the default method. It looks at the transaction logs uh, for CDC, for full load, uh, not for full load, but for CDC and replication. It looks at the transaction logs and pushes. So DMS is basically a logical replication tool, so it looks at, for any of the sources, it would look at the transaction logs. Changes going into Redshift. I, I thought there was an announcement that Redshift uh, is going to be separating SSDs with the storage and compute. I don't think it should change with SET because what SET is going to do is just uh, you, you give the Redshift instance as your target, right? Whatever instance you give it as a target, it's going to push everything to it. So it doesn't matter if you're using a storage or comp it could probably affect the performance, I think, depending on what kind of Redshift node you use, but... Yeah, I mean, SCT is operating at a schema level, right? And I don't, I don't believe that's gonna change in terms of like, 
when 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 the hardware separates between the, the compute and the storage. So. Consistence in schemas, you mean? Or data, not with the not with X factors, uh, not with SET. But DMS does that. It has a feature called DMS uh, validation, which would validate your data row by row on the source and target, but not for these four sources with extractors. ETL jobs, it can help you convert it to Glue. SET can do that conversion, yeah. Today, it's uh, the Teradata Vtex and uh, Oracle ODI, but we have others on the roadmap. Uh, the, the specific capability I was referring to is uh, today it supports um, the Teradata Vtex and ODI on the Oracle side. PL SQL, yes. yes, yeah. It's it's part of the schema data database schema conversion. By the way, and there are also other third party you know, ETL tools that you can, you can leverage. But yeah. thank thank you very much, everybody. If you have any additional questions, questions we'll, yeah, we'll be around. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.